Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Today, we conclude our series entitled Transformation of the Mind, which has been rooted in Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans 12 verse 2, which says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have been looking in particular at lies that lead us away from God, lies that the enemy plants into our mind to take us away from living in the way that God wants us to live, looking at those lies specifically that lead us into fear, worry, and anxiety. Lies about God, lies about ourselves. It is somewhat ironic that at least despite what the media tells us, by living in the Western world, in the 21st century, we live in one of the safest and one of the most safest, not only the safest place, but one of the safest times in the history of mankind. Today, there has been more peace than there has been for generations. And yet, there are more filled, fear-filled, worry-filled, anxiety-filled lives than ever before. There seems to be a real dichotomy in this situation. So today, having looked at lies about God, lies about ourselves. Tonight we're turning our attention to recognizing lies about our past because we know that lies about our past can cause worry and anxiety and fear. One writer says, fear keeps us focused on the past and worried about the future, whereas the truth keeps us focused on the future and free from the past. It is not a bad thing to remember the past. As we cast our minds back over our lives, it is a good thing to remember what God has done over the years that we have walked with him. To recall that past, it is so good. In fact, scripture encourages us to do it. But it is a totally different thing to be controlled by the past, for our memories can become a predictor of what we think will happen, what we believe is going to happen in our life. When we believe the lie, if it's happened before, then it's going to happen again, then we have some really, really difficult problems. My guess is that for most of us here today, when we look into our past, when we look into our history, we see a lot of pain. Some of us remember our failures. Some of us remember the things that were done to us. Some of us remember broken relationships and broken promises. Some of us look back into our past and all we see are shattered and unfulfilled dreams. As our memories take us back to our pain or to our embarrassment or our foolishness or our doubts, sometimes we hear the whisper of the enemy saying to us that what has happened in the past will happen again in our future. That our identity, that our destiny are inseparably linked to what we have done in the past. Often then our hearts become full of fear and worry and anxiety because what we come to believe is that what happened then will define our future. If you have ever had a kind of thought like this and you are a Christian tonight, 
I want to tell you that that is a lie of the enemy and it is from the pit of hell. Because in Jesus Christ, our past does not necessarily determine our future. In fact, if you have that thought come to you, it is really important that you counter it with the truth. In many ways, it is a good idea to do what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3 when he says, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead. You see, Paul's focus is forward thinking. He's thinking about what is ahead of him. He is determined to leave the past behind him and any lies he believes about that past, he wants to move on. Most of us who know our Bibles, we know that Paul had a very real past, a significantly dark past. He stood there holding the coat of the men that stoned Stephen to death. Paul was the man who traveled around looking for churches, burning them down, dragging out the Christians and having them thrown into prison. Paul was the guy who would boast about his personal achievements and about his family background. He had a checkered past, but he said, I am forgetting all of that. I am not going to believe the lie that says my past is the predictor of my future. Forgetting what is behind, I am going on into everything that he has for me. This evening, I want to take one story in the New Testament that illustrates what I'm trying to communicate. And I want us to hone in on Peter, who was described by the one writer as the water-walking, sword-yielding, working-class fisherman who often suffered with foot-in-mouth disease because he'd always speak too fast and too rashly. He was also a man who was incredibly devoted to Jesus as his master. He loved his Jesus passionately. But Mark 14 recalls a conversation that Peter has with Jesus straight after the Last Supper and just before Jesus is crucified. And it says these words, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though all fall away, I will not. Peter is so full of arrogance. Peter is so full of self-confidence. He just believes that he would never turn his back on Jesus. But what he doesn't realize is that he is setting himself up for heart-breaking failure. Then we read in John 18 and verses 15 to 18, Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside of the gate, so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, you are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. A few verses later it says, Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and they asked him, You are not also one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, the relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, 
Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. Peter had just experienced the worst failure in his life. He had allowed fear to control his decision-making. So therefore, he fails his master. He fails his friend. He fails his Jesus. He denies even knowing this man who had changed his life, and he turns his back on the Lord. If you have ever done something like this, if you've ever done something that makes you feel as if you have committed the worst failure, it is in this moment that you will always hear the lies of the enemy whispered into your mind. He will whisper things like, there is no way back for you now. You are finished. This failure, this mistake will always define you. There is no future for you. There is something unique about us as human beings, and it separates us from all other living creatures. And it is that we have an imagination. We have the capacity to imagine, the capacity to have something in our minds, and then for that thing to become a reality. And there is something really good and powerful about this. This is why we have skyscrapers, motor cars, mobile phones, A380 planes, we have been to the moon, we have washing machines, we have music and so on, all because of this ability called imagination. Someone has imagined it in their mind and they have made it into a reality. But of course, there is something negative about this too because we are prone to imagine the worst case scenarios. Our imagination can so often work overtime so that we start to believe the lies that we are imprisoned by our past failures and our history, and they will become a predictor of our future. In many ways, we start to create these mental maps, not to life, but to death. And our imagination works overtime and overtime, and it creates scenarios and situations that are never gonna happen, but they bind us up in worry, anxiety, and fear. And I wonder, and I would think that this is what happens to Peter. He begins to believe that his past will forever define him. And moving on in this story, following the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, two things happen in, people, in Peter's life that I want us to see. The first thing is Peter returns to his past. Instead of embracing the good news of the victory that Jesus has won, that has won victory over death on the cross, and instead of moving forward and celebrating and realizing that everything that Jesus had told them has come into fruition and that Jesus has been risen from the dead, he is sucked back into his own failures in his past. John 21 verses one to three tells us, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Peter seems to believe the lie that because of his failure, all he would ever be would be a fisherman. He knows 
the call of God upon his life. He knows the promises that God has spoken to him. He has known that God has got something significant for his life to do, but because he has failed to believe, his history, his mistakes, his denying of Jesus is going to limit his future. And therefore, he goes back to the old thing, the old life that he knew. I would like to suggest that this is a lie that many of us have absorbed. This is the lie that says the things we have done will ever define us and prevent us from moving forward. And when we believe this lie, our hearts become turned away from God and full of fear and anxiety and resigned. Most of us deep down know that we have been made for the more than metaphorically catching fish and mending nets. But we believe the lie that says that our past is so bad that we will never be able to leave the fishing boat again. Second thing I would like to see is how Jesus deals with his past to see what happens next as Peter is rapidly retreating into his sin and into his failure. And what Jesus does, of course, is a masterstroke. John 21 verse 7 says these words, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had taken it off and he jumped into the sea. This is the most greatest moment of vulnerability that Peter will ever had. Peter is about to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus about his greatest failure. What does Jesus do? Well, Jesus sits him down by a fire of burning coals. Many of you will probably know this, but for this subject matter tonight, it is crucial to, to know this fact again and to hear it again. Only twice in the New Testament, in the original Greek, is the word for charcoal coal used. Only twice is it ever used. Once here in John 21, and once back in John 18, where Peter denies Jesus as he's standing around a charcoal fire warming himself. Nowhere else in the New Testament is this word used. So as Peter sits by this fire with Jesus, his senses come alive. The smell of the fire, the sound of the crackling coal, and his senses take him back to the worst moment in his whole life when he de denied the one he loved the most. I wonder, do you ever have those moments when a sound or a smell takes you back to an event or a moment in time? You smell something or you hear something and instantly you are taken back to that place or time. This is what's happening with Peter. Peter smells the fire. He sees the glowing coals and the humiliation and the loss and the pain of his failure rush back into his whole being, rush back into his emotions and his thoughts. It consumes every part of him. He is replaying and reliving, going over and over in his mind and emotions, that time around the original charcoal fire. And why is Jesus doing this? Well, we need to know that Jesus is not doing it to harm him or to belittle him or to embarrass him, but he is doing it so he can heal him with love and so that his destiny and identity can be reaffirmed. 
as he steps into his future, at this moment, he is going to know that he is not going to be controlled by fear and worry and anxiety and the shame of his sin in denying Jesus. John 21, again, verses 15 17 says, And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I do. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus takes Peter back to the moment of his greatest failure, and he says to him, Peter, feed my sheep. I am silencing once and for all the lie that you are a failure, and I am declaring the truth over you that you are my friend, and I have a role for you. Peter, I am silencing the lie that your history will rob you of your destiny. Peter, I am silencing the lie that your past is the predictor of your future. Peter, I am calling you into a new life of following me all over again. Now let us move forward a few weeks and we're in Acts 2 and it's the day of Pentecost where the fear-filled disciples of Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit and they spill out of the upper room into the streets of Jerusalem. Acts 2 says these words, but Peter standing with the 11 raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. The man who once believed the lie that his past would restrict his future now stands up and boldly speaks about Jesus, the one he loves. He doesn't shrink back. He doesn't step back, he doesn't stand down, but he steps up in light of what God has done for him. He says, my past will no longer be a predictor of my future. Peter stood up. I believe it is very possible that some of us here today need to hear this. Some of us believe that our past is dominating and predicting our future. Some of us believe the lie that our history is going to rob us of our destiny and we need to stand up and we need not to step back, not to step down, but we need to step up, resist the lie of the enemy, and accept the forgiveness of God for our past. What does Peter preach? Well, we see in Acts 2, 37 and 38. He says, repent and be baptized. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. The word repent in the Greek literally means to change the way that you think. Stop thinking in a certain way and change your thought pattern. Stop thinking that your past has, beter- that your past has determined your future course in life and that your history, your mistakes, your failures, your mess-ups will limit your destiny. 
change the way that you think. Musicians, please join me. <coughs> Thank you. Please, will the rest of us stand? Something that we have done over these last three weeks or last two weeks and tonight is as, as we've come to the conclusion of our message, I've had the privilege of declaring some truths over us that counteract the lie of the enemy in our lives. And tonight, before we move on to the baptism, that's what I'm going to do for about a minute or two minutes. Thanks, guys. I believe that some of us here tonight need to hear Psalm 103, for it says this, He does not deal with, our, with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as heaven is above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. Some of us need to hear Isaiah 1, which says, Though your sins were red like scarlet, they are now white as snow. And so therefore, the Bible teaches us that our past does not determine our future. Our history does not determine our destiny. We are not a slave to what people think of us. We are not defined by what we have done. We are not shaped by the lies of the enemy who whisper to us that we are failures. So therefore, we need to choose, let's choose, to listen to the voice that says that we are called, that we are chosen, that we are loved, and that we have hope, and that we have a future despite our past. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, we need to hear the truth because as we know, truth sets us free. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org. Dot .nz